Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming on this gloomy day. Probably easy to stay home and kind of snuggle in on Sunday. So yesterday, I just want to kind of share a an example of somebody who just has done something really amazing. Yesterday, I had the opportunity to teach at a, a Unity Day at a local high school in Paramount, and a wonderful friend of mine, um, Ariana Bates, she's a counselor there, and. She went to a conference and they were talking about the high suicide rate um, in the LGBT community, and especially among teens. And so she thought, you know, what could I do? And so she created this <clears throat> Unity Day at the school. And it's really amazing. It's on a Saturday, and these kids come out <clears throat> to celebrate that population and celebrate togetherness. And she invites singers and dancers, and uh, they're playing like this amazing group. We're playing um, African drums. And last year, we had about 80 kids in the meditation, in in the gym to to learn about meditation. We had a really good showing this, this year, too. But it was just—it was so great. It's—it's it's really phenomenal for one to be at a high school and them actually celebrating uh, unity like that. It's really incredible to come on their own accord on a Saturday to to do that. That in and of itself is amazing. But also just a great example of just one person having the idea, doing it, and creating such a difference. It's really phenomenal. So just wanted to share that. Good news. <laughs> yeah. And that is really what I want to talk about today and us to experience together today is this unification of compassion. So I think what I wrote for today's title, something about expanding our circle of compassion and really coming into a internal dialogue on what makes us common. Like, what is common humanity? Like, what's that look like? Or even being a being on this planet. Like, what unifies us? There's so much of our, uh, our makeup and, and our, our, our life is, is about this division. And I think maybe because we're, we're, um, herd animals as a species, we're herd animals. We love um, tribes, uh, and then to have a certain tribe, we need distinction, self, you know, we're here and you're over there. So we have a lot of separateness. We have a lot of labeling for survival, and uh, you know, to get ahead in the world and whatnot. Yet what comes, what's beneath that? What are the things that connect us? We love connection. We we uh, we celebrate connection. 
you know, those YouTube videos that get ton, tons of hits. You know, those, I really like those interspecies relationships, those animals mm-hmm. videos. They're so cool, right? There's that chimpanzee and the, and the tiger. Yeah. That one's really cute. And then the, um, the duck and the cat. <laughs> and then the, the owl and the cat, which is really amazing. The owl, like, flies by and the cat, like, jumps up and plays. I mean, it's so cool. And, um, yeah, yesterday, on Friday, I got a high five from a squirrel, which was really amazing. <laughs> this squirrel, I, yeah, this little squirrel, I, I noticed he, you know, was just kind of really interested. And so I started talking. <clears throat> I started talking to him, and and uh, maybe he thought I had something in my hand or something, so he just went up, you know. <laughs> and there's that sense of, like, connection. And, and yeah, we really love that connection. And at the same time, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of separateness. There's there's a certain type of coming together when we're over here and we come we have a special bond. Sometimes when we alienate people, uh, and maybe not even on on purpose, but there's we talk a lot about um, when they look at the gang mentality. It, it's for a sense of love and family. And to, to kind of grow that bond, they alienate and they come together in their alienation of something. Right? They, they form a sense of a bond there. Unfortunately, that comes, we have, we're mixing this two, like togetherness, love, and acceptance, and we're blending that with hatefulness. Right? So, so we have to learn how to, to grow out of this and come together in a universal type of love. And I put this quote on Facebook of Tolopa, which is a great Indian saint. And somebody asked him, what is samsara? Like, what is delusion? And he simply said, delusion is when we judge others. That's it. That's it. And so I was thinking, well, that means nirvana is when we don't judge others. Nirvana just means then when we accept each other. That's it. Then I was sitting with this Lama Kimpo Jigme, Kimpo White Jigme, and he said, when the heart is pure, wisdom falls effortlessly from the clear blue sky. When the heart is pure, Wisdom falls effortlessly from the clear blue sky. I'm thinking I'm still waiting for wisdom to fall effortlessly, (laughs) for sure. Yet, the beautiful part about that is when I reflect on it, it's like, okay, I could work. I could work on this. I could work on this heart part. You know, I could do something about this. I might not have wisdom, but at least I have some some way to work with judgment right and through and through this work then i can create the merit they say you know by creating these good ethics and this this good heart opening we create the merit where we wisdom just falls upon us like that like really effortlessly you know so how do we do this we can, we have to be able to apply this off the cushion for me this is such an off the cushion practice and so we have to see this interdependence. This is one thing about 
um, this is one training tool that we could use is to see the interdependence and interconnectedness. We say interdependence, we say interconnectedness. And if this interconnectedness can become an experiential understanding, if it could become experiential, then everywhere we look, we feel this connection happening. And one thing that we could do, and I'm sure many of you have maybe done this meditation before, is just to look around your world and reflect on what it took for you just to, to live. For example, I, I found something, there's something, I forget what it's called. Oh, it's called life, the life cycle. So this is big now with uh, um, looking into the environment and environmental impact is we see the life cycle of, of certain material goods. And then seeing that life cycle, we could see how much uh, impact they're having on the environment. And so Levi's, for example, did an amazing life cycle um, study and then reduced their water consumption of, of, um, of the cotton industry, what it takes to actually build some pants, um, to, to create pants, for example. So the, the life cycle of a gene is, is uh, cotton production, the spinning of the cotton, the dyeing, the weaving, the garment itself, the actual design, the garment production, Finishing, they put the, there's an actual extra layer of like the dye and all that, so they call it finishing. The packaging, the transport, and then the actual user like us using, carrying, and maintenance for it, and then the end, end of life of, of a gene, like throwing it away or whatnot. And so we, we could look at this, and so we all have a pair of pants, we maybe all have jeans specifically, and we could think of just this wearing of the pants. Think of all the individuals it took just to make these pants. The people that were involved with the cotton production, the, the farmers that made the cotton, right? The actually harvesting of the cotton, the manufacturing, the designers that actually designed it. So we think, wow, you know, I maybe if you're... Um, a very successful person, you've done it all on your own. There's a great Buddhist thing where they say, you know, even famous people, even if you're famous, you have to have people talk about you to be famous. <laughs> so don't think that anyone ever does it on their own. Even if you're famous, some people have to talk about you to be famous, right? And so we think of the, the produce at the supermarket, just amazing, right? What it took for it to get here. The, the food, the, the shirt on our backs, uh, the, the jobs that we have, this is so amazing. So when we look at could, that, that everyone we see, everywhere we turn, there is somebody that might be part of this process that's helping, right? Everywhere we turn, we're, we need all, all of this. We need each other. We're interdependent, right? And so this, this distinction, right, is to bring, to bring our heart outward to a, a sense of a global, a global family. And then the second piece of this, so this is, that's like one technique that we can do. So this is more of, of a real practical sense that we need each other, right, one big village. But then also it's how we view each other. How do we view one another? Do we view one another as different or do we view one another as the same? So when we go down to those different layers, 
There's a practice that we could do. It's called Just Like Me. That everybody, when we really get down to it, we're all, we're all similar in the fact that we're all looking for more happiness and less suffering. Right? More happiness and less suffering. So I'm going to read a couple stories here and just some examples, and then we're going to do a practice ourselves. This one story is... Um, how many of you read um, Araya Mountain Dreamer? Any of her stuff? It's really fun, right? And it's the best name ever. <laughs> um, so Jack Hornfield here is actually talking about a story with Araya Mountain Dreamer. The poet and spiritual teacher Araya Mountain Dreamer writes about helping a participant at a meditation seminar. At the end of a very long day, a small, thin woman in an oversized parka introduced herself as Isabel. Can I do this meditation on my own, she asked. Yes, I said, and I'm sure you can. Although many people find it easier to establish a meditation practice with the help of a group, it's hard to keep up the discipline on your own. But what will it give me? What will I get if I do this every day? Her tone took on a whining quality. I felt my irritation rise as she continued. How fast will it work? Will I feel a difference after a week? How will I know it's working? <laughs> this is exactly the kind of thing I detested. The quest for the quick fix, the, the, the desire for. Guaranteed outcomes, the simple answer. Do this and you'll get that. My sons were waiting for me and I wanted to go home. I took a deep breath, looked directly at Isabel, and set my knapsack down on the floor. I tried to slow down my words, thinking that maybe if I spoke slower, I would feel more patient. Well, I said, meditation is more of a process than a goal-oriented goal activity. It could help you become more aware of what is going on within and around you, and this could help reduce stress. My best advice is to try it and just be patient with yourself. I picked up my bag and started to button my coat. I really did have to leave, and I wanted to get out while I was feeling virtuous for not snapping her head off. <laughs> As I started to move away, Isabel suddenly reached out and grabbed my arm with surprising strength. But what I want to know, she said, her voice rising in a crescendo that bordered on a real panic, is will it help me find God? If I meditate, will I have an experience of something or somebody out there listening, someone really with me? A wave of desperation swept out from her, from her through me, and I was surprised to find my eyes filling with tears. This woman wasn't looking for an easy answer or a guaranteed formula because she was lazy. She didn't want a simple plan because she was unable or unwilling to think critically about what would work. She wanted something she knew would work and work quickly because she was hanging on by her fingernails. She wanted something that would work in a week because she was afraid that simply, afraid that she simply wasn't going to make it through months or years. I put my hand gently over Isabel, Isabel's where it gripped my arm. It's okay, Isabel. We all feel desperate at times, I said. Nobody does it by themselves. We all need help. Her hand relaxed a little beneath mine, and she started to cry. We talked for a while together. There was no them. There was only us. When I left, I did not leave one of them. 
I said goodbye to one of us, a human being, doing the best she can, searching for the home for which all our hearts long. I love that story because I totally relate. <laughs> the, the, the initial reaction for one to label, right, to label, to judge, why we all do this. And then, for, and forgetting the common humanity. You know, forgetting the, the common humanity so quickly. Like we could leave here from this, you know, really supportive, nurturing group, and then somebody cuts us off and we're like, God damn it. Like, you know, you, this and that. And it's like separateness all of a sudden, right? And knowing that that person, you know, might have an emergency, just like that. You know, maybe they're not cutting us off because they're a jerk or even because they're on their, their cell phone or just unaware, right? Maybe, maybe they're going through a very, very difficult time and they're just barely holding it together. Maybe they're rushing somewhere, right? It's like we forget the common humanity that all of us are trying to be more happy and to suffer less. We're trying the best that we can. Like that's not our initial way of being and relating, right? Maybe, it's definitely not for me, I'll speak for myself, not, for, not all the time. I'm not, that's not my, my view all the time. Like I know I need work to do to be like that, right? And then something like that will happen in my life when I judge somebody, I was like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this, and then they tell me a story. I'm like, oh my God, like why am I, you know, like this? And so here's another one. Maybe, maybe let's do a practice first, actually. Let's see what time it is. Then I'll read the other one. Let's see. I think it's going to work out. If not, someone have to pair up for me. It might be a little weird because I'm going to be reading something at the same time. Um, so pair up maybe with somebody you don't know so well. I know a lot of people know each other. <laughs> so just um, pair up and you're going to be turning and facing one another. We don't need to know their life story to do, to feel love, which is the point of this one. So you're actually going to keep your eyes open during this practice. And just simply noticing yourself, your body, your breathing. And to think of that in this moment, in all the galaxies and all the universes, in this unique moment, that will never happen again in this way. And you're just here and now. And behind the eyes of the person that you're sitting across from, if you were to look deeply, you'd see a beautiful spirit. The consciousness behind these eyes that took birth in this human incarnation, a spirit of curiosity and openness, a spirit capable of love and interest, 
and see that this person is just like me. Incarnated in a human body, going through the mystery of life. Just like me. This person was once a little child. Just like me. This person has had happy times in their life. Just like me. This person has loved someone. Just like me. This person is creative and dynamic, just like me. This person has had their heart broken, just like me. This person has had their measure of sorrows, like all human beings, just like me. This person has been hurt and confused and disappointed by life, just like me. This person has done something they regret, just like me. This person has had beautiful moments, just like me. This person wants to be safe and well and loved, just like me. This person will take on many roles in life. Once a child, an elder, a student, a teacher, a friend, an enemy, a leader, a follower, a fool, a sage, just like me. And now for a moment, just let yourself picture this person. Picturing this person happy. Picture this person laughing, playing. Sending them loving kindness, compassion. And just as you would wish for yourself, wishing for their own happiness and freedom from suffering. And so just returning back, maybe thanking your partners. So this is a, a wonderful book called A Fearless Heart. And it was written by the translator for the Dalai Lama. And um, all accounts is this really incredible, amazing being. And uh, so, yeah, I highly recommend it. Called A Fearless, yeah, Fearless Heart. So he just has a little story about an individual who had practiced this just-like-me uh, meditation. Sometimes the just-like-me practice can work in the most unexpected ways. I heard a moving story from a colleague of mine that, that taught at the VA residential treatment program 
or at the Residential Treatment Center for PTSD in Palo Alto. One of the participants, a veteran in his mid-40s, said that all of the things he had learned from the compassion training course offered at the center, the contemplation of our common aspiration for happiness was the most immediately helpful. He said that he had struggled with an anger problem for a long time and he had undergone all kinds of therapy and treatment, but the course provided him with a valuable tool that supported his healing process. His anger would get triggered particularly when he perceived unfairness on somebody else's part, such as someone jumping in line in a supermarket or cutting in quickly to, quickly to snatch a parking space. When this happened, he would go into a rage. He had even assaulted the other person on some occasions. <coughs> Thanks to compassion training, he said, he now uses the contemplation, just like me, he too wishes to be happy and avoid suffering, like a mantra to calm himself. He said that now when he catches himself getting worked up because of something someone has done, he repeats the phrase to himself, just like me, just like me. And it, and it does help him calm down. So it's a great, uh, a practical tool. Of course, it's one of practice. We're always practicing. We're always practicing something. We're always practicing judging <laughs> or something. We're always practicing. Every time we repeat something, repeat a thought, you know, an act, we, I would say that you know, thoughts arise on their own. Every time we follow a thought, especially follow a thought into action or something, right? We're repeating it. So, and it takes work. Of course, when we have momentum going in one direction, whether in any habit, it takes work to correct that. And knowing exactly a little phrase or something this, that's very simple to apply, you know, just like me, very, very simple. Like this could really help us transform, really help us move out of that uh, into a, um, a different way of being. Right? So those two things, interconnectedness, just like me. So before we open it up to uh, group sharing, uh, there's a request <laughs> for me to repeat a story that symbolizes um, quite well of... Um, that just like me. Many of you have heard the story. That's why I didn't want to share it, but it's good to hear again, I guess. Um, one of my teachers bakes pies for Thanksgiving. And so when she's delivering the pies, of course she has to drive very carefully on the way there, not to disturb the pies. And and so in in life, when she's out and about driving, and somebody is driving very slowly, and she feels frustration arising. She thinks to herself, you know, maybe, maybe they have pies. <laughs> so what I really, there's many layers to that. I really love, I love the reflection of this because, you know, for one, she's mindful. This is the first thing we have to do. We have to be awake to our own feelings. So she, so she becomes awake to those feelings of frustration, right? And a lot of the frustration is when, whenever we're impeded, 
Whenever progress is impeded, whatever we figure progress is, this could be so many things we look in life, whenever we're pushed up against this. So she notices that, that those feelings are arising. She's mindful of them, creating the space to choose something different, and then dropping in this universal you know, connection. Once again, this compassion comes over her. You know, maybe that applies just like me. Just like I'm that person sometimes, right? We're all that person, mm-hmm. you know? I say sometimes I get really frustrated because people, there's a lot of four-way stops in Long Beach, yeah. and people forget that the person on the right goes first, right? So I just go. I'm just like, you're not going to remember, so I'm just going to go. And then the other day, I'm sitting there, just spaced out, and this guy's looking at me like, what are you doing? Go. You know? I'm like, I'm the guy. I'm that guy. You know? I'm the one that I'm always saying, oh, you know, you should be remembering that you're supposed to go. I'm the guy. So, um, yeah, so just to remember that, that we're all like this, you know. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.